Happy New Year, everyone. This is Marin with another episode of the Warden Customer Analyticast. Today, I have Drexel Marketing Professor and WCAI Senior Fellow, Dr. Ellie Fife. Hey, Ellie, thanks for being here today. Oh, Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Um, so in the spirit of starting a new year, um, starting new projects within your organization, I wanted to talk to you about um, maybe a few best data analytics methods or practices that you could theoretically maybe implement this month or to start your new, new year off right. What are your thoughts? Well, I wanted to start with an oldie but a goodie, which is actually thinking about your advertising spending as an investment that should produce returns. Um, and so actually computing ROI. I think everyone should have the goal that for at least one of the marketing channels that they use, that they actually have an estimate of the ROI of that marketing channel by, say, the end of January. That is an oldie but a goodie. Um, it's, it's used to be impossible, right? So uh, advertisers who advertised in magazines, for example, had no idea which customers were responding to that magazine. But with today's um, digital marketing platforms, you can often track people as they go from, you know, they've seen a Facebook ad for you, they've clicked through to a website, um, and how many of those customers, if you have an online store, are buying, and, and there you go. You can actually compute the ROI. Um, just as a refresher, mm -hmm. <laughs> to compute the ROI, <laughs> it's the gains minus the costs over the gains, or over the costs, sorry. Start. I always get that messed up. <laughs> it's too early in the morning. <laughs> um, so the gains would be um, the profit you gain from an advertising platform. So say you put an ad on Facebook, you get all this, uh, these returns. Um, the, or these people who are coming through Facebook to your website and they buy something, it's the profit you make on those sales. And then the costs are the money you spend to Facebook to put, place those ads along with, you know, whatever your time is worth to have, to have gotten those ads placed. And I actually force my undergrads who run small digital marketing campaigns for small companies to do this. And the thing that really holds them back is that this is going to require some assumptions or estimates along the way. Like how many of those customers bought or, you know, sometimes you don't have that data. Right, so it can um, be a little squishy. It can be a little squishy, but it's, and it's one of the things I love about marketing analytics because sometimes it's like both numbers and hard and a little squishy at the same time, which mm -hmm. I like playing in that space. <laughs> um, but well, you're a Bayesian modeler, so it makes Yeah, sense. as a Bayesian modeler, I like squishy numbers, I guess, I guess you could say that. Um, yeah, I, no, I like characterizing my uncertainty around numbers. That's what it means to be a Bayesian. And so um, I like thinking about um, squishy things like what's the ROI in this advertising. But I really think, you know, any size advertiser, all the way from, you know, one of the top five advertisers in the world, all the way down to, you know, tiny little business that's just running Facebook ads. I think for 2018, you really should try to take at least one marketing channel and swag what the, the ROI is for that channel. And you'll find some surprising things like if you're not getting any sales from that channel, your ROI is zero. Or, or sorry, it's not zero. Negative. It's minus 100 <laughs> percent. Um, and so, you know, if, if that's happening, then you need to cut that channel and find better marketing platforms. And that's the whole point of using ROI as a way to assess different different marketing platforms. You do some marketing. Do you compute ROI for the ads you run? We do. Our, uh, our Facebook ads are always computed. Uh, let's see what other channels... We always, well, it's, again, speaking of squishy, whenever, so we, our, our biggest marketing spend is for our annual conference coming okay. up on May 9th through 10th on 2018, uh -huh. by the way. So 
we have some traditional channels and some digital channels. So it's speaking of squishy, like we have to go through and make sure when we send our conference survey. Mm, and you're selling a small number of fairly expensive things, which Correct. makes it harder to count everything. Yeah, find all the attribution channels of attributions. Makes yeah, well, that's this gets hard as soon as you have more than one channel, and that's why I I set the bar pretty low for everyone <laughs> out there. Just do this for one channel. Once you have multiple channels going on, it's really hard because if a consumer actually sees two app marketing from two or three different channels, you have to like figure out what's the the sort of combined benefit of those channels together. And uh, Eric Bradlow and I have a paper with Daniel Zantazechi that's actually one of the core problems we set out to solve was that multi-channel attribution. And we were able to figure out the dollar lift using lots of fancy Bayesian models. We could figure out the dollar lift of combining a catalog with an email on the same day. Um, and it boosts it a little bit. Yeah. It, more than the sum of what you'd expect from the catalog and the email separately. It's a little bit better. It's somehow those things are synergistic. Um, and so, yeah, once we get into multiple channels, it starts to get really squishy and really hard. But we're making a lot of progress. Like, if you want to go to the frontiers of marketing analytics, we are about to crack that nut. That's awesome. Um, so if you're a big, big advertiser, you know, maybe be thinking about your attribution modeling, which is an a important component of figuring out ROI. Mm -hmm. um, and maybe call all the vendors and, and refresh on whether you're using the best attribution model um, that you can, because there's a lot of innovation happening in that space. And it's very likely that if you hired a vendor a year or two ago, that they're not the best anymore. Good to know. Good to know. Okay. What's another method or practice that you can start getting together this month? Well, um, everyone this month should run an A-B test. I knew you were going to say it. I'm a big proponent of the A-B test. <laughs> I learned um, how to A-B test from you. Exactly. And it's so easy, right? Like, what are the steps? You, I taught you, so oh, maybe you should dear. tell them. Oh, it's early. Okay. So um, you can only test one variable. Step uh -huh. one, figure out which variable you need to test. For me, I often test subject lines and emails. Okay. So, for example, if I am sending um, a promotional email and um, it's for one of our events, I say, all right, so my first subject line is join us for this event, and my second one is maybe a little snappier, and it says don't miss out on this event, register today. Yeah, and you I often see, see people go with really aggressive calls to action versus weaker um, I was actually working with a nonprofit, so I, all my students in my my class on experiments have to run A/B tests in ten weeks. It's easy; they have they know nothing, and by the end of ten weeks, they've all run an A/B test. Um, and we were working with a nonprofit that was marketing a conference event, and the aggressive call to action backfired for them. Interesting. Um, which normally you'll see that, like, the more aggressive the call to action is, the better the email per will perform. Like. Don't wait. We're having a two-hour sale over lunchtime. Gets more immediate response than you know. We have new dresses, um, but for this nonprofit, that actually backfired. It it caused lower opens. Um, so when it was super aggressive like that, people didn't realize it was this nonprofit that they had a relationship with. Weird. It seems we don't really we don't, know, but still. Okay, so you get your two subject lines, then what? And then what? So and then you, I randomize my recipient list. Randomization is key. And so I randomize my recipient list, and I split them into two groups. Repeat after me. Randomization <laughs> will set you free. <laughs> exactly. So, And then I send uh, subject line A to group A and subject line B to group B. And then I see how many opens or clicks, and I tally all of those uh, metrics up. 
um, and see how many more opens versus not. And then you should compute a confidence interval, right? Yeah, you can do that. Cool. That way, uh, yeah, you could do that. But um, you know what? What? I'm, I'm, tr- I'm working. You know what I'm obsessed with this month? Hmm. I want to blow up the confidence interval. You want to blow it up? Yeah. The old school confidence interval. Interesting. The P times 1 minus P over square root of N, that puppy. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that is based on um, sort of classical statistics and doesn't account for the fact that, um, that uh, when you, well, in, it works fine for a subject line test like you were talking about. But looping back to ROI, mm-hmm. it's... Another interesting idea is to do an ad versus no ad at all, and that comparison will tell you the revenue lift cleanly from that advertising channel. So you can combine A-B testing with ROI if you look at ad versus no ad. So in these ad versus no ad tests, there's a certain asymmetry because we think the ad works. And so if we decide that the ad is not worth it and don't run it, when that was a mistake, we have an opportunity cost. We've lost customers that we could have gained profitably through marketing. Um, if we run the ad when it doesn't work, that's another kind of mistake, um, and, and there's an asymmetry in the profit. And the old school confidence interval does not recognize that asymmetry. And so I'm working on a, can we say the B word again, Bayesian method. <laughs> Um, a, a Bayesian decision theoretic approach to thinking about A-B testing that for an email like you're talking about, I don't know which of these subject lines is better, everything's kind of symmetric, it'll, it'll give you the old school answer. Um, but if you have something like ad versus no ad and we think the ad works and you put some you know, Bayesian priors, which are a way of characterizing, we think it works but we're not really sure exactly how well it works, um, you put that into the model and it'll tell you the sample sizes for your A-B test. So in your A-B test, you probably split your customers evenly. Yeah. Um, in the A-B test I'm planning, you take your whole customer list, you slice off a percentage, and then you s- split that between the test and the control group. Uh, and I'll tell you how big the, the percentage should be and then how big um, the test and the control groups would be. And um, when I look at it this way, I end up with much smaller tests than you get from the old school, sure. much smaller sample sizes. So uh, I'm really excited about that um, yeah, and ho- hope to have a paper in like, well, that's my goal for 2018 <laughs> is to have a paper by, say, the end of March okay. um, that that lays out uh, these new ideas for A-B testing. I want to come back because I, I want to kind of blow up the A-B testing world. Well, I can't wait. When, as soon as that paper hits uh, the theoretical stands, we will we'll come back and talk All right. about it. Yeah, yeah. We should probably get some good peer review from academics on that before we really <laughs> <laughs> try to conquer the world. Sure. Um, So what's next? Item number three, and this is probably kind of where the real analytics comes in, is um, have you heard people talking about this uh, artificial intelligence in marketing? Yeah, you're going to set out and replace all the marketers, right, with robots. Uh, No, (laughs) we're not going to replace marketers with robots. Um, But there are some decisions that could be made for customers tailored to individual customers that aren't now. So for instance, think about what's on the homepage of your website. Okay. Um, that's the same thing for everybody. 
but maybe it shouldn't be the same thing for everybody. Maybe that should be tailored to the geography of where the user is, um, maybe past behavior. You've seen the behavior, you know, you've seen a customer look at raincoats before, so you put raincoats on the homepage instead of, or maybe boots, mm-hmm. or I'm not sure so if it's raincoats kinda, or boots. Kind of like how Amazon tailors their landing page for its customers. Yes, okay. they would be the kings of this AI in marketing. Mm-hmm. And what it allows you to do is get very customized user experiences at scale. Um, and this is happening all over marketing. Um, The vendors that provide these types of models are starting to mature. Um, And and I'm worried that marketers get this like AI and marketing and think what you think like, hey, does this mean I'm not important as a marketer? No, it means you're going to become much more powerful as a marketer um, because your job as a marketer is to identify the problems that we can get computers to solve at scale. Um, and tailor experiences to our customers. So for instance, when you turn on your Roku, um, you, you get like the same, you and I get the same menu. Mm-hmm. And I really love Game of Thrones and I don't know what you like. The crown, I really love the crown. You like, oh, I like the crown too. Um, but I really like Game of Thrones. And so um, we get the same Roku screen and that's silly. Because when you've finished The Crown, which it was only 10 episodes, right? So you're you're done done now. Mm -hmm. Um, Maybe it should be recommending Victoria to you. And maybe it should be recommending something like Westworld to me. Um, And it doesn't do that now. But that's the kind of problem. These recommendation systems is the kind of problem that AI can solve. It seems pretty advanced. Like, what's the first step in this? Like, I I feel like... The step is, like, identifying the right problem to solve. So a problem that a computer can solve is one that happens over and over again. So it's a great thing to do where it happens over and over again for customers because you have thousands or hundreds of thousands of customers. And so we can look at how past customers have behaved, and that's how we train the AI. We look at what people have done in the past, and then we um, try to predict what they w- how they're going to respond to things in the future. That's the kind of whole, sometimes it's called predictive modeling. So for instance, another problem domain that's really important in marketing is predicting which customers are going to churn from a subscription service. Mm. So you look at the behavior of me as a HBO Go subscriber um, and try to, based on what I've watched and um, how often I'm watching, that kind of stuff, predict whether I'm going to cancel my subscription. Um, and then once you have that prediction, you can kind of score all your customers and you got the, the customers in the safe zone. <laughs> you got the uh, customers in the high flight risk zone. Mm. Um, that maybe are not even worth trying, and you got those persuadables in the middle. Um, And you can focus your marketing dollars on those persuadables, and that will increase your ROI. Because you'll be concentrating your spend on the customers who are um, really likely to change their behavior by you communicating with. So all roads lead back to ROI, right? Yeah, absolutely. That's why we, you know, why do we do marketing? Um, Some say it's to build brands. Some say it's to be cool like Don Draper. But really, in the end, what we're trying to do is increase uh, revenue or profit for the firm. So um, I'm always thinking about, you know, even when I um, endeavor on like a really complicated early in the product design process marketing research task, which is very, very far removed from revenue, I do think like is the amount that we're spending on this market research study for this product design program um, going to achieve an improvement in the product that will justify the cost of the research study. So even when I think about analytics and market research, I think about does that have positive ROI? 
Sure. Makes sense. Okay. To sum it all up, step one, ROI. And that's, you got to figure out which channel is working. If it's not, recalibrate it. Yeah, but as a starter goal, get figure out the ROI for one media channel okay. by the end of the month. All right. Step two, A-B testing. Maybe it's a subject line. Maybe it's a homepage. Yeah, maybe it's um, a catalog mailer. All of those things can be A-B tested. And um, I'd say that's a goal to achieve by the end of February. Awesome. And third, AI and marketing or predictive modeling. Yeah, I think you should have a plan for how to use AI to improve your marketing. Um, maybe by March or April. All right. Sounds doable. All right, Ellie, thank you so much for your time. It's been a pleasure as always. I look forward to your next paper. Yeah, um, thank you for having me. You got it.